Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the NXT 2.0 you. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet, Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of NXT 2.0. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review NXT 2.0, but also pay-per-views, premium live events, we have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round for the week complete with a quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to discuss NXT 2.0. But first, I have to say, as much as this is just over Zoom, it is very nice to see your boys' faces again. Great to see you, boys. Yeah, you too. It's only been two days, like so. <laughs> Glad you're feeling a little bit better, Wilborn. Enough to do this, at least, if not to join us just yet. Mm. And, and certainly certainly now that intro better than you did yesterday with Andy Murray and getting this podcast cancelled. Yeah, this, Sige? Uh, I saw something on Twitter. I was thinking, what, well, unprofessional. Absolutely. Just start it again. The first 30 seconds, just do it again. Just learn to stay in my goddamn lane. Like, <laughs> Why not offer a bit of insight on Bret Hart or something historical from the WWE Network that you might not have seen instead of trying to do Wilborn? Not only without Wilborn, but without even buttons. <laughs> this desperate grab. I was like, I was like NXT 2.0 myself. This desperate grab for some attention from anywhere in the absence of the actual talent. <laughs> Pathetic. Just either learn it, muscle memory, or just read it, write it out and read it. Yeah. Just a joke. I'm a part-timer in that role. <laughs> no, but thank you, both of you, for uh, for looking after things whilst up in a way. Um, and what a show to come back to, Michael. My words. I mean, what are the what are the new ways to discuss this very 2.0 edition of 2.0? Um, I'm looking forward to diving a bit deeper into the logic, the like inherently fatally flawed logic behind the main event, the booking of the main event and what is to follow, presumably as a result of the main event. But the rest of the broadcast was just this off the rails bollocks NXT 2.0. Like it has no chance of succeeding in any version of itself, but it remains watchable for us to talk about, if not to actually receive as a wrestling show. Terrible wrestling, gratuitous body shots, and a main event that people probably really liked. I wasn't that bothered about it personally, but that's the NXT 2.0 formula. Long may it continue. Long may this continue. There was some stuff that is just wildly awful. Yep. I think it's really hit his stride, Cedric, to be honest right now. 
for all the reasons you just gave um lots to get into so let's just dive straight into it uh opening the show with double denim brom breaker coming out to celebrate and welcome us to nxt uh for the night and uh yeah enjoy the fact he's a successful first title defense uh, he talks about how Vengeance Day was a tough fight. Santos Escobar, a tough opponent, uh, but over his only over his dead body will he lose the title. And uh, he's talking about WrestleMania weekend and stand and deliver NXT uh, back on the road to Dallas, Texas. And I see Michael Hamlet's eyes with like the thousand yard PTSD stare of the words NXT back to Dallas, Texas. <laughs> what are they thinking? What, what are they thinking, honestly? They're thinking there's going to be, they hope, 100,000 wrestling fans who might also be in for more wrestling on a smaller scale. But they haven't sold 100,000 goddamn tickets so far. They're discounting them all over the place. My God, it might look like, um, remember Five Star Wrestling in the United oh, Kingdom? Yeah. And like they hire out massive like indoor UK arenas and there's just someone in the front row. <laughs> like That's like <laughs> They put the uh, they put the belt on Jake Hager at one point, didn't they? Because they yeah. had it basically. I uh, it's like there's law, isn't there? There's law in Dallas with NXT, and the, the cheek of them to pick that place of all places. Like, uh, yeah, we know you Dallas fans remember these three letters. It's like well, they're not the same as these ones. <laughs> like nothing on this show is going to be saying Nakamura or Bailey Asker, or well, I don't know. Maybe it will be. Maybe they'll get Chad Gable in for it. They're getting somebody else off. Raw's mid-card, Raw's tag division to probably try and sell the building out. So maybe Gabriel will fancy it. I don't know. Anyway, uh, he's talking about this and out comes Dolph Ziggler to congratulate Ron Breaker on his first tile defence. He says, you never forget your first. Um, he says... Um, not about sex. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, knows, he knows he's not the champion yet, but he says, Bron, you shouldn't make promises you can't keep. He says, you're a you're a Ford car of some sort. You're a badass, but you're going to make it there as champion? I don't think so. Tonight, I'm going to stomp Champer out, and then I'll take the title, and maybe I'll even carry on my shoulder into WrestleMania. Um, Breaker says, well, I still owe you for that super kick last week. Maybe bring your skinny ass to the ring. And uh, Dolph says, yep, yeah, well, in uh, seven days or so, you'll probably get the taste back in your mouth. Um, look, you're, Bron, you're a hothead. It's in your jeans and not that uh, Canadian tuxedo you're wearing. Um, Bron says, they don't pay me to dress up. And uh, Dolph says, all right, mate, calm down. Um, says, you're, you're the guy in Orlando, but I'm the star. Uh, Bron, take the night off, sit in the back. You're barred from ringside for this match tonight, so you can't have any cheap shots, no monkey see, monkey do stuff, no receipts. All you can do is sit in the back and watch what I, watch me do what I do best, Michael Hamlet. I liked Bron Breaker in this. I liked his earnest energy. He feels very much himself, right? He's playing the, at very, at like very, very least, the yourself turned up to 11 cliche that WWE like. So I buy and believe almost everything Breaker said, almost everything he feels and the way he delivered it. In contrast to that, Dolph Ziggler will never be the Dolph Ziggler he believes himself to be. He'll never be the stand-up comic. He was attempting in this promo to do your cheers, toots, so he's no Adam Wilborn either. He's like attempted <laughs> to like fill that gap with some sort of cool cutoff where he's won the room. He's the coolest, smartest, most experienced guy in the room. I don't believe it. I believe far more the rookie because he actually knows himself and he's portraying something that makes sense versus Ziggler halfway between veteran presence, hair ruffling, nice try, kid, 
and too cool for school. If you're so cool, why are you here in the first place? What is it exactly that you're trying to prove? They have no idea what it is they're trying to, um, what message it is they're trying to get across with this Dolph Ziggler character. All they have is that he's the guy off Raw. He's been there forever. He's a piece of main roster furniture. Please buy a ticket for our uh, our overambitious Texas show. 11 a.m., wasn't it, as well? Uh, like, just the weirdest, weirdest deal, all of this Dolph Ziggler thing. But Breaker continues to get over in spite of it, I think. Sid, not helped by Dolph Ziggler, first of all, being Dolph Ziggler, but also the other week saying, well, nine times out of 100, I lose. But uh, this time I'm going to win, and then I'm going to go to WrestleMania. I mean, they can't credibly do this, and I find the whole thing pretty boring and incredibly patronising. I can't not echo Hamlet's opinions there. Like, yes, I like the line of they don't pay me to dress up, they pay me to kick, kick people's asses. Good line. Booming, authoritative, knucklehead delivery. I'm still all in on Breaker. Mm. And if this is going to quietly develop him, then that's what the show is. I don't have to enjoy watching it. I just found the presentation and the delivery of the Dolph Ziggler character so patronizing. There's a little bit of a tell as well that this can't possibly work. Jumping um, ahead to the main event temporarily. Wade Barrett said something to the effect, right? And like you know, when they do the list of achievements, and it's like, well, hang on, that was a screwy finish. That didn't draw business. They did it to protect that person. But on paper, all of this is correct. The Miz is headline WrestleMania, right? He was the supporting role in his own lead film, essentially. Mm. He's won the Intercontinental title what nine times, and no one can ever remember the chronology or who he defeated to get it. They're all just completely hollow accomplishments that nonetheless have actually happened. Therefore, you can read them out in a promo and say, I beat John Cena at WrestleMania. I've won the Intercontinental title nine times. I've won money in the bank and all of this stuff that registers as nothing, but you can actually say it. In the main event, when they were putting over Ziggler, Wade Barrett said something to the effect of, you know, you think of every great wrestler over the past 20 odd years and Dolph Ziggler's sharing with him. So he's obviously picked up something <laughs> using that experience of getting beat off everyone for 20 pretty drab years at this point. And he's picked up something which makes him a threat. It's like they can't even say, oh, he's won this, he's won that. Because he has, but it means even less than when the Miz won it. So the idea of him coming in as like this, don't piss, like don't patronize me. I just mm. felt it was incredibly condescending. I don't think it's a terrible idea what they're doing, but it's certainly not a convincing one. And I just found myself getting increasingly more um, weary throughout his spiel. Wade was probably a little bit pissed off being called a simp earlier on commentary. Did you catch that? He was no. like, oh, here he is. Here he is, Wade Barrett, simping over like toxic attraction or whatever it was. <laughs> I was I was gutted as well that I missed Zeitgeist Heist yesterday because I am a million percent would have said the Tinder swindler because that's 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 been um, on my on the tip of my tongue uh, whilst I've been off. And yep, they of course dropped a reference to it. You heard, seen this? You heard about this? It's got a lot of enemies. You seen it? Anyway, um, from one star of the show in Bron Breaker to the star of the show, Michael Sidgwick, L.A. Knight. Yeah! Yeah! yeah. Uh, he was in action against Grace and Bloody Waller, um, flanked, of course, by his uh, indestructible, despite his being destruct, destroyed, basically, uh, the other week, uh, but heavy Sanger, um, Grayson Waller's just trying to, doesn't want anything to do with LA Knight early on, runs away, dives in and out of the ring, uh, but eventually uh, catches LA Knight as he's coming back in uh, and gets the advantage, only to get 
crotched on the top rope and bounced around on his bollocks, basically. Um, we go to a break, come back, and LA Knight gets distracted, shouting at Sanger, and he gets sent into the steps by Grace and Bloody Waller. Uh, he hits a top rope elbow, that gets a two count, uh, but then he goes to the outside to set up a rolling stunner from the floor into the ring. And yeah, LA Knight recovers and hits him with a uh, belly-to-back suplex, stomps him in the corner, uh, sends him into the opposite corner, hits a neck breaker, uh, goes for his finish, goes to the BFT. Uh, and uh, as he goes to that, Sanger hops up on the apron and grabs Grayson Waller's arm so he can't execute the move. Grayson Waller rolls up LA Knight, gets the tights, and steals one Michael Sidgwick. Oh, Christ, this feud must continue. And like, put it this way, this match didn't make me want to go, yeah. <laughs> wouldn't make me enjoy or connect with the LA Knight character or root for him in the face of such cheating. Like, what a patterned match. Like, you know you've pretty much misjudged it entirely when the babyface is getting the heat during the break. It's like, oh, God. So understand the template of the match. The babyface is in an ass-kicking mood, and he's clearly the dominant performer. Therefore, he just gets a very, very protracted opening shine, um, and then it gets cut off and all the rest of it. Like, very patterned match wasn't particularly emotionally engaging reasonably well worked given Wallace's level of experience um but this just feels like incredibly un like if you want unremarkable professional wrestling nxt 2.0 is a brand for you they are doing decent enough things in the right order because they have these wizened old heads who are trained to train other people from a copybook in a very rigid formulaic structure and the sheer reps philosophy within the performance center means that nine times out of 10, or at least three times out of 10, because everybody else on the show is pretty rubbish. You're going to get a fairly smooth, competently worked match, but I just could not get anything out of this at all. Um, when you counter Waller's finish, the finish looks ridiculous. It looks just about like it can, I can, my suspension of disbelief. It's like, oh, he's coming at you from a funny angle. So it's hard to defend against. That's the headcanon for why he's just doing a flip and doing a different version of a cool move. When it gets countered, you think, well, you're an idiot for doing it that way. Yeah. Because you telegraph it from a mile away. And it was the weirdest roll-up I think I've ever seen. <laughs> I, could, I was like, what? How's that worked? So lame finish, executed terribly to a patterned match that I couldn't give a toss about. You two and Sidgwick's daughter have collectively all made me appreciate the promos of LA Knight. But uh, let me talk to you when it comes to his in-ring. Is it still bang average? Yeah, because <laughs> like, there was no hiding from it here. And I, I, I keep saying this, and it was mainly to do with Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch. But don't reward WWE for cleaning up a mess. Just chastise them for making a mess in the first place. They have Waller here winning by a roll-up that was driven by Sanger's distraction. After Waller's been beaten like a drum in other matches and Sanger lost on his debut to LA Knight. So they have undermined all of this Grayson Waller presentation, only to give him the roll-up win to try and create the idea of parity for the reason for the feud to continue. What a load of bollocks. What a load <laughs> of patronising nonsense that you would expect to receive either of these men, or for that matter, Sanger as a heater, as threats to one another, as threats to anybody else, because it's a tale as old as time in WWE. Everybody has been neutralized when they are thinking everybody remains over. I could not want to watch this match again less. Uh, and it feels like, in terms of results, patterned off 
Pete Dunne versus uh, Tony D'Angelo, and at least they slapped a million billion, I might not have liked any of that really, but at least they slapped a million billion gimmicks over the top of it. This is just all of that, but all they're having is matches instead. Um, Grayson Waller, again, like it's it, like it feels ancient partner, and it was only late last year, but him in the boxing shorts remind me that for a while he was Golden Gloves exclusive. Oh, yes. Like the order guy with a heater. Like I've forgotten the jokes we've already told at Grayson Waller's expense, but I... Uh, what pointless filler drivel all of this was. Bang, bang, average match. Um, LA Knight needs to do, like, say something stupid LA Knight next week to make me forget that this is what you get seven or eight times out of ten with him. Yeah, I, there was a bit where, I, I swear he was yelling about a bloody last man standing match or something after this. Oh, no. I, not not for me. Anyway, uh, let's go backstage because uh, Dakota Kai's there and she's crazy. Um, she goes and wakes up Wendy Chu because um, Chu's entered them as a team into the Women's Dusty Cup. Um, and she said, why don't you tell me this? She said, oh, I didn't I didn't tell you. I just told that friend you're always talking to. There's no one there. She's not talking to anyone. She's bonkers. Um, and Dakota says, oh, well, uh, my uh, track record with friends isn't very good. Um, and uh, Wendy Chu says, well, you know, this, this is me you're teaming with now. And she walks off and Dakota says, maybe it'll work out, but but probably not. Anything you want to say about this? Uh, save for the preview next week. I can't be honest. Okay. <laughs> um, instead, we're going to go ape with Cora Jade and Raquel Gonzalez. <laughs> That's where they were, basically. It's big adventure park with, you know, high up rope bridges. Uh, last week, Cora was out of her comfort zone. This time, it's Raquel Gonzalez, who's scared of heights, to which Cora Jade replies, you are the height. <laughs> um, at the end, uh, they finish with... Uh, a zip line and Cora says, Don't worry, trust me, we'll do this, and then we'll run through the dusty cup and we'll win all the titles. And Raquel gets inspired and she has a bloody good time doing it. She's conquered a fear of heights. Uh, next week, Hamlet, they're going to conquer the dusty cup together. Well, Vaughan, I can't wait for you to conquer your illness so we can conquer the podcast charts. Imagine if, <laughs> imagine if I spoke like that. Imagine if that was the way that I spoke. I wouldn't do this job because <laughs> nobody would, nobody would speak like this. What a load of drivel. Absolute not like where where do they come up with this and why do they think on on uh, on the Conrad podcast typically because of course Bruce is the cornerstone of that little empire for Conrad. A lot of the you know, Jeff Jarrett's or your Kurt Angles or whatever, even if they kind of don't want to be super nice to Bruce Pritchard, they'll say things like, "Oh my, what a producer he was back in the day." Vince would have this insane idea, and then we'd go out on the road with Bruce and we'd shoot it, and I couldn't believe what it looked like on TV, and it did wonders for my character, and it sold a load of merchandise. You know, people reference the Mr. Perfect one. Jeff Jarrett was talking about his country music ones getting kicked out of Music City, and how vital that was to help him get over. Like this is the warped, sad tragic conclusion to one man's I'm going to call it genius because for that era of getting characters over it was but this is the just a tragic end to that tale sending somebody you know like for months you just announced her with a goddamn back because they'd got over this incredible physical presence that she had the Shawn Michaels Diesel's comparison were apt until they kind of killed all that um they've tried to make the 2.0 version of her and now here we are Scared of Heights and going to Go Ape, which is a family, not just for adults, a family jumped up adventure playground. And this, I just, I remember, like, Christ, I was naive. I remember nervously thinking, oh, she's smiling with the title. You don't want to do what you did to Diesel, putting him on a magazine cover. 
I should have been grateful for that. <laughs> this was the end destination for the Raka Gonzalez character. The day that the day that she died, his team are a bunch of losers. They suck. This, this is terrible. This program's terrible. Wilborn, you're usually very meticulous and capturing everything in your recaps. So I was quite disappointed that you missed something. Go on. You missed it when Cora Jade said to Cal Gonzalez, the zip lining isn't the last activity we've still got to do. We've got to sink a couple of 12 ounce curls. <laughs> <laughs> because this was almost verbatim the exact segment between Von Wagner and Kyle O'Reilly when they were trying to be an odd couple tag team who were trying to find common ground. So Von Wagner took Kyle O'Reilly famously into the woods and somehow <laughs> didn't end up killing him because that's what his character projected. And they had the same thing where like they bonded through exercise and like and had some beers after and they were like a couple of pals. And what this segment did, right, the original one, was a convinced Kyle O'Reilly, like a really mild-mannered guy, to go, well, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I'm just, I'm just going to go. Um, this is killing my career. I obviously know who they think the star is and yeah, this, this is really lame and I want to just go and be a wrestler again because I like, I like wrestling a lot. Then I thought, right, okay, well, Kyle Riley left. Um, what do we do? Do that which made him leave in the first place again? <laughs> yeah, cool. Let's make Raquel Gonzalez look like a dick in, and have conversations that no one will have. Well, to be fair, I'm going to give WWE the benefit of the doubt because it's like... Last week, what does Raquel Gonzalez love to do? Just, just work out. Look at her. Look at incredible physique that she's got. Let's go and drag Cora Jade around doing that. Right, what's Cora Jade like doing? Riding a skate. Oh no! Wait a second. Uh, go, go eight. Just go eight because they can't They can't go skate because then they'll realise that Cora Jade probably Raquel Gonzalez would be there doing like ollies or whatever. <laughs> Cora Jade be like, no, we don't do that here. We just sort of push it about three yards and then just run with it in her hands. So. Yeah, I just thought, oh, okay, cool. So Raquel, Raquel Gonzalez is lame now. Like, if she wasn't already, like you say, Hamlet. But uh, yeah, can't wait for them to not win the Women's Dusty Cup because the team who are probably going to win it came next. Um, beforehand, we had Toxic Attraction in the Toxic Lounge, taking the piss out of uh, Cora Jade. She's so small. Uh, and Raquel Gonzalez. Oh, and then taking a pop at... Io Shirai and Kaylee Ray and saying, oh, yes, good job, Mandy Rose says that oh, they've realised that they can't take the title off me, but they can probably win the tag titles off these losers sat next to me. Um, and then they had their first round match, Io Shirai and Kaylee Ray versus Lash Legend and Amari Miller. Ugh. When you get sloppy with Io Shirai, that's a, a, an indictment, I think it's fair to say. It was iffy to give it the real benefit of the doubt to start off. Uh, in comes Amari Miller, though, after uh, EO and uh, Lash Legend have gone at it. Comes in, misses an elbow. EO Shirai hits a flapjack. Uh, Kaylee Ray comes in, uh, hits the Kaylee Ray bomb on Lash Legend. Springboard moonsault, tags Shirai. She moonsaults onto Lash Legend uh, and pins her one, two, three to allow that team to advance to the next round. A glorified squash this, but a sloppy one at that, Sige. Can't be getting lost in three minutes. Like, you just cannot be getting lost in three minutes against Io Shirai. These things should be impossible. Clearly, they're not because they would be impossible if you were a trained performer who was more than ready for the TV stage, working a tight three minutes against one of the best women's wrestlers in the world. Like, Lash Legend is nowhere near ready for television at all. Um, and this was nothing more and nothing less than proof of Failure of NXT 2.0's proof of concept. 
Yeah, completely echo that. Plus the failure of them to acknowledge that the um, Dusty Cup isn't something like you've got to put the work in first to establish a division to have a, a women's tag tournament rather than putting together makeshift teams to lose in the first round that shouldn't be on television. Did they make Io Shirai botch on purpose a actual beat in this match to make it look like Lash Legend wasn't as bad? The bit where she was like, she was going to come off the rope. Just to do a springboard. Yeah. It looked very much like she didn't botch to me. Maybe some know. juice flowed down from the toxic lounge and it got into the ether. <laughs> Maybe it's law. Toxic lounge. Toxic lounge. Can we, um, in like sort of uh, related news, because uh, as uh, I haven't had a chance to discuss this with either of you two yet, and it feels very 2.0 adjacent. Have you both seen the trailer to uh, Corey and Carmella? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Gotta go get some BJs. Like, uh, <laughs> that is one of the strangest things I've ever seen, and that's in the same year as NXT 2.0. There is repeated mentions of a shower being fitted into the house just because they need it to smell like cum as quick as possible. <laughs> and they're wondering why you know network picked this up and they've got to hoy it out on YouTube. It's so it owns so much that Corey Graves has a YouTube reality TV show. Of course you're not putting him on telly. <laughs> can you t- can I tell you my favorite part other than the fact that uh, who thinks Cor- Corey Graves I quite like Carmella. Who thinks Corey Graves is some of people who be like, I want to see more of that guy right there. Yeah, no. Other well, than that, my favorite part is, oh, here's a dildo. Like, they just, they just put that on the trailer. Oh, like, it's it's the, do you know what it reminded me of? It's like someone pretending like, oh, what, you've discovered this women's underwear. I'm, where have they come from? Just because <laughs> all the sex I was having. I was like, turn it in, you two. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Like and it's six executives round a table. Yeah. When we get a dildo in the trailer. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What sex toy can we blur, but you can still see it? It's a sex thing. Can we get a dildo in the trailer? <laughs> That's my Corey Graves. Can we get a sex toy in there as well? <laughs> um. Uh. I'm gonna try and I'm gonna move some of these segments around because I want one to come after another. So, not necessarily next, but what we got was the first. Of a three-part series on this show, Michael Zidwick, with Broggs and Johnson, and one of them, the one who wants to boink uh, Kane Carter, uh, he's in the zone, the friend zone that is, and so the other one says, we're going to make a video, to you get back on the horse, we're going to do a video for this dating app and what have you, and they do our thing, even they don't know whose name's Watson. <laughs> in Quite the victory lap, right? I was insistent that the AEW was going to just pretty much murder NXT from the jump. And I said, no, it's a better show. It's a better show. Some weeks aren't as good. It's a better show. AEW will very soon, quicker than most people realize, make NXT look like a WWE product. If I, I've got this thing in my writing where I will use hyperbole to embellish a point I'm making to make it seem like, oh, right, okay, you know, more effective. If I'd have written, oh, what's gonna happen? What what will become of NXT in the wake of the Wednesday Night War? Are you gonna watch Bill Buchanan's kid trying to have it off for seven straight weeks in storylines that have nothing to do with wrestling? I'd think, mm, yeah, it's too far that one, Sage. That's not gonna happen. And and yet it is. I must, he's meant. I think he's meant to be endearing. I think we're meant to relate to this bumbling moron 
I just, it's pathetic. He's got no comic timing. That uh, I've got no words. I ain't gay or nothing. Not that there's anything wrong with being gay. Yeah, should we should we talk about all these segments at once, Hamlet? Because yeah. next up, the, the, when this was come back, this was followed up later on. He's doing the worst shout lines ever, and not like so bad they're good, just outright bad. Well, have you got any so bad it's good chart lines for a frame of reference for the listeners, Wilborn? Well, I'll give you what I'll give you what he he said, and then we'll try and workshop literally anything better than what he said. Because one of them was just, "Hi, I'm a Leo." I nearly stopped watching at that point. If the, if it wasn't my job, hundred percent. I mean, I realize there's a million points you could say that with NXT two, but oh, but still, second uh, first second segment I started Wordle. <laughs> second segment I started Wordle got the third guess wrong and thought right I'll watch more of NXT it's it's so easy to procrastinate watching this TV show well, I'll watch yeah. this man I'm a Taurus and this is bullshit yeah <laughs> uh, do you like cornfields because I'm stalking you what and then the the age old if you were a transformer you'd be Optimus fine that one was alright give you that What's your favourite chat line back in the day, Wilborn? The listeners want to hear it. Uh, <laughs> I was going to do a gimmick. Uh, I think I, I did like, uh, are you a parking ticket? Because you got fine ridden all over you. Absolutely knew you were going to say that one. <laughs> I knew it. I had two. Can I tell you, like, honest to God, I had two in mind. Was there, you got fine written all over you. And the other one, and I don't know why this just came to me, but... And I, I didn't use, I had no game or bravery in any regard like this when I was younger. Um, Metal girl who liked me enough and married her. But I remember <laughs> my mates, he kind of reminds me a bit of you, Wilborn, in all the good ways. Thanks. I remember him saying like, uh, <laughs> you must be called Gillette because you're the best a man can get. <laughs> what was he doing before? <laughs> <laughs> if I could, uh, if I could rearrange the alphabet, I'd put you and I together. Oh God! <laughs> what is it? What was the one? I always, I never, I, I'd never, I'd never use child lines. Didn't need to. Um, but I uh, said, I loved. Uh, ooh, your legs must be tired because uh, you've been running through my mind all night. No, no, what? And uh, what was the, what was We're the like one? Was... Jalapenos. I'm super cheesy. You're super hot. <laughs> <laughs> what was the one where it'd be like? It was like it involved props. It was like, give, oh, that was it. That was it. Give a girl, give a girl 10p. Call, call your dad, tell her you're not going to be home tonight. What? That sounds legitimately terrifying. <laughs> I was going to write. So, Wilborn, you've not been very well. Sidgwick, you're in York. Did either of you watch Raw? Yeah, it's brilliant. Might know where I'm going with this. Why do they not just watch the show that Dolph Ziggler was on and find out that to get the girl, all you need to do is take something that matters to her and you yeah, kind of force her in back into it? Reggie, Reggie won. Just, you got just, just take a bit. <laughs> <laughs> <It> feel sad. <laughs> I watched the first 15 minutes thinking if Cody's going to debut, it's going to be now or it's going to be teased for being later. And then I realized I don't know, Davy and Cody at night. So I was kept up with it on Twitter. And there was no conversation because WWE sucks. Oh my God. I've just Googled uh, best chat lines. And some of these are somehow even worse. Kiss me if I'm wrong, but dinosaurs still exist, right? <laughs> Traps. That's good. Uh, 
are you Australian? Because you meet all of my qualifications. <laughs> oh, I mean, no, that's yours. No, don't, do, do not pretend to have Googled that. I've been Googling stuff, guys. <laughs> <laughs> what was the uh, what was the one that really made me sick there? Jesus Christ, some of them are absolutely. Are you my phone charger? Because without you, I'd die. <laughs> Just a... <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. 101 cheesy but cute pickup lines. Oh, but cute is the incel bit, isn't it? It's for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's get a couple here. Oh, God. You've got a lot of beautiful curves, but your smile is absolutely my favourite. My lady. <laughs> Two minutes later, no reply, bitch. It sounds like it's going to be rude. <laughs> Again, also from Google. <laughs> Was your mother a beaver? Because damn! <laughs> <laughs> oh. There's only one thing I want to change about you, and that's your last name. So... Oh, God. <laughs> Did you just fart? Because you blow me away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that's a YouTube on that. Some of these are, I'm telling you, made up. Right. Um, I've heard it said. <laughs> I'm just saying that to some lad. Some lad, whatever. I've heard it said that kissing is the language of love. Do you care to have a conversation with me about it <laughs> I, uh, I hear you're looking for a stud. Well, I've got the STD and all I need is you. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? These are terrible. I will say I found one that I genuinely used in a, it was in a, in a situation, let's just say. It wasn't serious, but I definitely have said, hey, yeah, what do you reckon this is uh, made of? That's right. Boyfriend material. So. <laughs> genuinely, um, genuinely, I'm sorry. Some of these are, I'm, I think Brooks Jensen is moonlighting, um, writing for parade.com. If you were a song, you'd be the best track on the album. <laughs> what is that? Uh, I think there's one more from this is from elitesingles.co.uk. Uh, <laughs> this is my, my favorite one. Where is it? There it is. Have you been to the doctors lately? Because I think you're lacking some vitamin me. <laughs> <laughs> Two more, just two more, and then we'll move on, right? Because these are so incredibly creepy. <laughs> yeah, there's one creepy one, and one that absolutely is Will Bond. Hi, I'm Michael. Do you remember me? <laughs> That's right. We've only met my dreams. <laughs> uh, this one as well, uh, submitted by an Adam W. No, that's too obvious. An A. Wilborn. <laughs> if you were a fruit, you'd be a fine apple. Yes. Very good. So I've got one more, thanks to sheknows.com. And I think this is going to be ideal because it's Shrove Tuesday next week. So maybe I should have saved Shrove Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> should have saved this for the Zeitgeist heist, really. But uh, Brooks Jensen, obviously, prepping for the day, can say, uh, do you like pancakes? Well, how about I hop on that ass? <laughs> Game idea for next week. What if we try and do the next, the, the successful pickup line? Yeah, he's gonna he's, he'll be on Tinder or whatever they're, they're calling it, and he's gonna be sending people like opening, you know, messages on Tinder. That's what we gotta guess he's sending next week, I reckon. Yeah, we'll guess the pickup line. But 
I did, yeah, we should mention the bit where uh, he started, started rambling and at one point went, oh, I like girls, I like boys too. Oh, not like that. Another bit of gay panic in this storyline for some reason, Sige. Say again? I'm sorry, I'm going on disgusting pickup lines now because I remember a particularly uh, horrible Geordie one. Because he talked about, he's like, oh yeah. I'll let you know next week is a little uh, advert. <laughs> I, liked, I liked this girl called Caden, but he didn't work out and blah, blah, blah. And then he's talking like, Oh, I like I like girls and boys, but, 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 but not like that. Obviously, they've done this bit as well, haven't they? Yeah, did it the That's other week. Gimmick. Sanders <laughs> already had gay, gay panic. Is a gimmick. It's a gimmick because they're evidently in love with each other, and well, they just need to admit that to one another. Well, I was on the topic because I'm just going to do the other bit as well, where that Fallon girl who was in the bar the other week came in and just went, oh, yeah, you do you know you only need a photo for this app. And uh, the other one was like, your disastrous dating life is, is my favourite form of entertainment. My favourite was whatever the one who's not the loser who can't talk to women. He said a sentence, and I've ri- I, wish I, I wish we were in the studio so you could see the way I've written it, because it was one sentence. It was two thoughts. So normally, right, what I do is like, Let's say I'm chatting to you, Hamflet, and then Sidgwick walks in. I'd be like, come on, Hamflet, think of all the women you're going to... Oh, are you all right, Sidge? Uh, what's, what's going on? He said this. Think of all the women you're going to... What's up, Bella? How are we doing? Like, <laughs> it, it was, he didn't even take a breath. She just walked straight in, and he was, oh, it's Bella, it's Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> this, this entire series of segments was... Distilled NXT 2.0, wasn't it? Basically, yeah, it's a it's a rom com, visible trash. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving thirty three percent with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Uh, now I want to double back to something that happened just before the first friend zone section because um, I feel bad for laughing at this but I guarantee other people will have taken sadistic pleasure from it too 
Dante Chen gets interviewed by Mackenzie Mitchell. And he says, oh, this Duke Hudson, he thinks he's a big shot. He tried to end my career before it was started. Uh, he's always talked a big game when I wasn't here last week, but I'm here now. This is my vengeance day. And it's going to be hard for Duke to sweep Persia off his feet when he won't have any feet to stand on. Cut to Duke Hudson battering Dante Chen. There's his vengeance. There's his, he's getting his retribution. He, uh, he jumps Hudson before the bell, attacks him during his entrance, wraps his leg around the post. Then he gets posted. Uh, he does get a two count off the DDT, but Hudson just kicks him, raises edge, one, two, three. This was hilarious, Amphlet. Right, this almost never, ever works anyway, right? But the few times it has, somebody, like, they might even talk a big game, but even if they don't talk a big game, they're uh, not so much unlucky as they are plucky, but they lose, right? Um, I can think of Mikey Whipwreck in ECW, and I can think of the one, two, three kid before the Razor Ramon match, which they kind of, to be fair, they hid that anyway to set up that squash. What like, was a skinny weirdo called in ECW? Colin Delaney. Yeah. Yeah, that worked to a lesser extent, but it does, that actually kind of helps my point. For this to ever work, the organisation has got to present itself as a place with heart and we know WWE and especially NXT 2.0 to be completely heartless, right? So there is no charm. There is no feeling of fun and community and friendship around this roster. AW, I think, could maybe still pull this off. But this show cannot. This, like, cum stinking, filth-ridden brand cannot do this. Nobody feels plucky. Nobody feels like an underdog. They feel like a stinking jerk moron loser. <laughs> which is what Dante Chen is like. Are you remotely behind Dante Chen to finally get his comeuppance or bounce back or whatever? I mean, there's, there's calm in comeuppance, so maybe he'll find some there. But he's comeuppance. They don't, they don't have a line in sympathy and they never, ever will. This is just a guy getting beaten like a drum. He sucks. Yeah, Dante Chen as an absolute geek and not an endearing one either. However, we'll get on to it soon enough, but there was a bit of LTST here to appreciate. Yeah. Uh, then we got the uh, Melibration, Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams, two of the legitimate stars on this show, come out and they celebrate his victorious title defence last week, saying he had the best match on Vengeance Day. Trick Williams hypes him up some more. Trick Williams is brilliant as well. Um, Hayes says he doesn't care who's facing or where he's doing it. He's what people are going to be talking about. And then he gets interrupted by, hey, Dawn, who says, what are you on about? Um <laughs> He says, you, beat, you say you've beaten everyone, but you haven't beaten me. Uh, you're the A champion. You shouldn't be sitting on the sh- sidelines for WrestleMania season. Why don't you pr- prove how good you are, basically, by facing me next week? Carmelo Hayes turns it down. Truck Williams gets in his face and says, do you not hear that? That good? No means no. <coughs> and then Melo changes his mind and says, if Skeet Dunn wants some smoke, I'll take it because uh, I don't back down from a fight. And Trick Williams starts talking trash. Bad mouths. And uh, out comes Grimes and the attacks. And we go to the break. And when we come back, it's Trick Williams versus Cameron Grimes. What did you make of the, the talking bit of this, Sige? Yeah, it was okay. It was okay. They're still not saying like absolutely incredible material. It's NXT 2.0. You get a glimpse of their personality, but I, I still suspect that you're not getting the whole thing. I still suspect you put Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams in AW, and it would be 10 times the the, the great actor already is. Um, yeah, was that right? Bit of it, I just couldn't be arsed as well. Like. 
Enjoying the match that came next, though, Hamlet. Cameron Grimes versus Trip Williams. No, uh, no. <laughs> the result, I, the result, I mean. Uh, Grimes runs Williams over, hits him with a clothesline. Uh, Williams fights back with a kick to the chest and a jumping clothesline. Um, Grimes fights back, a sort of power slam swung into a side effect, uh, effectively. Uh, they go to the outside. Grimes goes for a cave and off the steps, but... Uh, Trip Williams dodges it, but then runs straight into a super kick from Cameron Grimes. Uh, they get back in. Grimes hits him with a high crossbody uh, to the face and <laughs> nails him with a cave-in for the one, two, three. I did like Carmelo Hayes just not even being able to watch the referee count the pinfall, though. The exchange on the floor was pretty slick. I thought that like, came across pretty well. Um, it felt vital and that you are watching rest like wrestlers that are part of wrestling's future rather than stuck in its present or its past, which is what NXT pretends itself to be. The rest of this I thought was quite poor. And we talk a lot about how often the newer guys are put in there with the more established ones and Grimes is one of them established ones. It's, I know he's relatively new to NXT, but Trevor Lee's been kicking around long enough. Like he's a guy that they can rely on. Um, so in the same way that we're often critical of the, like the women's division and there have been far too many green wrestlers. Felt like Trick Williams was that, to be honest. I thought this was pretty sloppily worked. I thought we were on for a Brutus Beefcase parasailing accident when Grimes came off the top rope and landed full on Williams' face. Um, so it took me out. It wasn't a botch as such, but it certainly took me out of things. I thought, oh, God. Um, I didn't particularly love the segment that came before it, nor what it represented. So Pete Dunn, you know, it's old hat now to criticise this, but Pete Dunn just walking up to him and that's a match. But the fact that we can't shake off the Cameron Grimes feud either because we've got to have the tag match to build to the singles match first feels tired and played out and Williams wasn't good. Carmelo Hurst wasn't that great. So one of the few things I earnestly like felt like they were ever slightly exposed here. This is the kind of stuff that pretty much like is a deal breaker as to whether or not you enjoy NXT. Like if you're able to enjoy it earnestly as well as enjoy the bollocks, and when that bit, when the good bit goes wrong, there's absolutely nothing to grab onto. This kind of defines what I think of the whole episode, and this was poor. The match itself, I've said it before, and I'm going to say this, even though it's a total pipe dream until the end of goddamn time or until his career on the main roster is absolutely finished and you stop giving a toss about him, but give him Shabbat until the end of the season. They'll never, ever look outwardly and think, right, we've got to look at this guy, the body, the charisma, listen to the mother talk. He's incredible. He will not get incredible work in here. Deep down, a part of us knows that. Just get him to the LA Dojo. Get him a wealth of experience elsewhere. Release him with a buyout clause. Because he needs to be trained by a different system. But they think the system's good, so it's all very doomy. Uh, the only thing that got me excited was, oh, well, so you're telling me there's a chance that Cameron Grimes can win the NXT North American Championship? No, there isn't. I could he could steal something in a in a triple threat. We all know this. Um, Cameron, who wants that? Like, I don't even want the singles match for Pete Dunn. Who wants the triple threat with a pair of them? Will one? Oh, yeah. I, I think that could be a sensational match, genuinely. So, you don't care about that. I know you don't. I, I, I do. These guys. Yeah. yeah. I love boys. Carmelo Hayes. I love Cameron Grimes, and I think Pete Dunn's very talented. If, as Sid often says. He doesn't fit the WWE formula whatsoever. Anyway, um, we got the uh, champ going to have a word with uh, Tommaso Champ, who's uh, getting himself limber before his main event tonight. 
Uh, and he says, despite the fact that Dolph Ziggler is apparently banned him from ring, so I didn't know he became an authority figure, but still, um, he's going to be out there watching. Uh, and uh, Champa just sort of doesn't talk to him. And then as he goes to leave, Champa says, well, the way I see it, sort of one at one all. Uh, we need to still find out who the better man is. Uh, and then we got a brilliant vignette for the fantastic Andre Chase University. Uh, he's teaching his students uh, a lesson in intestinal fortitude. And one of them puts his hand in the air and says, sir, what does that mean? And he responds by saying, it means you got a set of balls, Michael, you dumbass." <laughs> I love this side of Andre Chase. He says, well, which brings me, by the way, to... Uh, Von Wagner, uh, who's uh, lost his balls uh, since he aligned with uh, Robert Stone. Uh, he's called him out. No success with that. Uh, and someone says, what do you think is going to happen when you get in the ring with, with Von Wagner? I mean, he, he's a pretty big dude. And Andre Chase is fine. And you're a pretty big motherfucker. I want to give Andre Chase, I want to give an Andre Chase University size ass whooping. And he kicks the kid out of the class. It's the one who's been his little sidekick, basically, and announces that that was a teachable moment. I love these little segments. Yeah, they're amusing. They are amusing, I will say that. Swearing's good. I'm very easy like that. Yeah. Yeah, swearing's funny. I'm quite impressed that they're still working, considering that we know the Andre Chase formula at this point. He's going to lose handily, and he's going to talk his way out of trouble for more of these. And then it's just like, yeah, more of the same. But it continues to work. So I'm, I'm like that is we mentioned it on Raw all the time. Like that's the very definition of elevating bad material, isn't it? Because he's getting asked to recite effectively the same punchline, really, and they're finding a, a way to keep it creative. Fair mm. um, Some bad news to report uh, following this because the thing that happened next actually broke my "this is your thing" ometer because Nikita Lyons had her first match. And she was described as a singer, model, dancer, and fighter. So all of the things, basically. Um, and, yeah, she had this debut match with uh, Kayla Inlay. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, oh, memorable. Certainly memorable. Certainly uh, you're going to get NXT discussed online. This is, this is one way to do it because this did go slightly viral because, oh, um, she hits the jumping spin kick or the finish, usual sort of squash before that, and then she does the splits on top of Kayla Inlay for the one, two, three. And uh, yeah, I like that finish, Sige. Of course, he did. I'm gonna analyze the professional wrestling, even though it was completely secondary to what they wanted me to analyze, right? It wasn't very good, they got lost in a fighting exchange. There was such awkward movement. Look, there's the raw materials there for a decent talent. Athletic, stopping power, all the rest of it. You get her legs high up. Oh, yeah. You were not meant to watch her wrestling. Like, the gear was so obviously designed to get the last bit of blood in an old man's body. The 62-year-old medium <laughs> who were into their cack so they could get an erection. And watch Nikita Lyons do the splits yeah. on another woman's puss. Pamphlet, were you like me? Did you uh, volunteer for Death by Snoo Snoo following this match? <laughs> Look at you, man. The frigging CEO of Pear Tree Productions not wanting to sack Jill. Oh, I like Jill. Lovely, lovely. <laughs> I do like her. 
you know, whipping your pipe of Pringles out on a podcast, you're disgusting. I thought the build to the German was broadly admirable and it's a good job they've got a firing off about 20 of those kicks because that last one looked like it absolutely connected. <laughs> raw material stuff, but I mean, God, how the gutter all he is. What is this? I thought it was, uh, I thought it was a uh, great form. Oh God. Also, I'm not sure if this is the point, but they also not only talked about simping on this show, but only fans. So just getting it all in now. Um, right, let's let's get our minds out of the gutter. Let's go backstage where Persia Perot is getting off with Duke Hudson. <laughs> Indy Hartwell walks in and he's grossed out. What? And uh, she, Persia Perot walks off and Duke Hudson says, well, you used to like it. She says, uh, excuse me, that was a bloody long time ago. And uh, Hudson says, doesn't have to be. And she sort of pauses. And then it pans to Dexter Lewis, who's just stood there. And he, he hangs his head and he walks off and Indy Hartwell chases after him, Hamlet. No wonder there's so much sex on NXT 2.0, because apparently you just, after your, after your match, you just go back to a changing room where men and women can walk in freely and you're taking your kegs off. Like, it's bound to happen sooner or later, wasn't it? Sad Dexter. It's quite funny. Uh, not in the way that I think they mean it to be. This is a man that once ensured that nobody would say no by revealing that he had a murder weapon concealed <laughs> in order to make sure that he sealed the deal on his wedding day. But they've made him a sad panda <laughs> because a tag team, a set of ostensible favourites in the Women's Dusty Cup are being divided by a duke. Um, they're being divided by a duke. Big bloody Hudson. Rubbish. I'd, I'd like absolute garbage. I think... Like you're being really, really harsh on this. To be fair, Hamlet, like you're, you're missing the sophistication of the of the deft dovetailing um, storytelling. Because yeah. Andre Chen said that after I'm done with him, Duke Hudson will be unable to sweep Persia Parotta off her feet. When in fact, he did end up sweeping her off her feet, and in doing so, grabs the small of her back, pushes her puss against his cack. <laughs> She makes like a porno noise and then they just neck on like aggressively. And then he's such a super stud, such a hunk that turns out he'd also been bonking. Well, what's a fair Indy Hartwell back in the day? He could be bonking again. He's the romp. It's a romp. Bonked a senseless, I did. (laughs) Like, oh my God, I. Do you not care about the sex lives of these characters at all? Trent, after I've beaten you on Rampage, I'm going to bunk a senseless. <laughs> senseless? Um, <laughs> my God, who could possibly care about what's going in and out of what? I just thought, yeah. I, just thought I can't believe how sorry I feel for, and, and they shouldn't mistreat Dexter Gaylord Loomis like this, you know. Deserves better. <laughs> I need a piss. Right. I just continue the podcast. I don't care. Uh, promo next, pamphlet from uh, Robert Stone uh, and Von Wagner responding to uh, Andre Chase. They say, as book smart as he is, he's getting F for street smarts. Uh, and he promises, Robert Stone does, that next week Andre Chase is going to get in the ring with Von Wagner and leave filing for permanent disability. And then Von Wagner's got his line. This is Von Wagner's world. And you're just coming. Uh, you're just uh, living in it. Sorry. 
I don't know if this was lost on yesterday, Wilborn. I don't know how much you were in the social media bubble or indeed maybe if this penetrated the bubble, perhaps. But, um, you know, yesterday was Tuesday. I tweeted a come Tuesday at uh, 22 minutes past 10 last night. Very nice. I missed that come Tuesday tweet. But of all the weeks for them to... Uh, they saw, like, they're a bunch of swines. They want to have the cake and fart on it too, as I've said before with this brand, because they want their stuff to go viral. They want um, NXT 2.0 to be talked about again. And yet you take away the weapons of the content creators, taking words, taking food off the table of us by taking words out of the mouth of Von Wagner and instead giving them a Robert Stone. The cheeky bastards, they know what they're doing. They knew that this guy was getting over in a way they didn't like. Mm-hmm. So away that goes. He gets to do a bit of a closing line, but he stood. <laughs> you're watching him like the, it, it's that fireworks factory thing we like to talk about. He stood there, and you're not really listening to Robert Stone because something as usual is fascinating about Von Wagner. He's looking at him, and you're like, "Say something, Von Wagner." One of your funny words. <laughs> he gets this little line at the end, and by this point, all the magic's gone. Bastards. Uh, good talkers next. Malcolm Bivins. My God, what a shining light he is on this show. Uh, so Diamond Mine are out to celebrate their Dusty Cup win. And Bivins is cutting this excellent promo. He talks about perception versus reality. He says Imperium wants everyone to think that they're world-class athletes. They haven't done NCAA tournaments, Olympic trials. The Cree brothers have done that. They claim they're the best tag team. But they haven't got the Dusty Cup wins to, to back it up. They say they're fighting. The titles. What's this? We've got the titles. Well, they say they're fighting champions, but they haven't defended these titles. Uh, 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 he asks who they are. And that, of course, brings out Imperium. And uh, Walter Gunther uh, comes out and says, don't talk about us that way. And, and uh, Bartel and Eichner say, we don't care if you won the Dusty Cup. You'll never take the tag titles. And then a big brawl breaks out and uh, the Creeds fight with the tag champs. That leaves <laughs> Malcolm Bivins and Gunther. Uh, and I think... What's he going to do? He's going to chop him in half. But before Gunther can get his hands on Malcolm Bivins, in comes Solo Sokoa to attack him. And Bivins, knowing exactly where the cameras are, gives him this nervous thumbs up. I just love Malcolm Bivins' hamlet. I mean, I'm enjoying... Bivins was quite good here, actually. Yeah, like, always great with the facial expressions. He was as good entering with the, uh, the Creed brothers as, like, celebrating as the winners as he was then required, they were trying to make a meme out of him doing the thumbs up again. That, that won't work. Like, you know, they're just they're not going to get that content over. I am continue to enjoy the desecration of WWE's most handsome wrestler, as this week, Gunther's turn was to be a whinging bitch tweener. They're now giving him, like, WWE speak as he comes out of the rings. Uh, like, when's he going to win the title and be the game show host? I cannot wait for it. I, like, I don't wish to see a man's career go down the drain, but I do feel like I'm watching a guy that knew what he signed on for and also knows that one of these days, I think we said this when the name change first happens, a show might even be AW Dynamite, but a show somewhere in the world will present the return of Walter. And I think he even knows that himself. He has gone all in on this self-flagellation just to get it, get it done, earn some of that money, stack it up, and then leave with, the, with almost Walter's legacy preserved because this is now Gunther stuff. Um, not the look, I'll be kind to the dovetailing of the what happened last week with Solo Sokoa and the Creed brothers winning the Dusty Cup because at least now Solo Sokoa doesn't have to run in there against Imperium and get the better of them without it splintering off into a tag feud and a singles feud. But most of this was fluff. Yeah, I've got nothing more to add. 
did like again just bidding stuff the bit backstage where Solis Co is talking about fighting Guns the next week. Bivens comes in and says, thanks for that. And gives him a high five. Skull just walks off and Bivens turned it into a wave because he's just he's just excellent, basically. Um, right, what did we get next? Oh, then we got the bloody uh, bit with uh, think of all the women you're going to, what's up, Valen? How are we doing? Segment, the third one with the bloody Broggs and Johnson. Uh, and then Mackenzie's there with Joe Gacy and Heartland. And uh, they show footage of them approaching Draco Anthony. Is he a vampire? Is that what they're doing? Because they really emphasise the fact it was like late at night in the gym. That's where uh, that's where Draco uh, likes to hang out. And I was like, Draco's close to Dracula, basically. Anyway, Gacy gets weird, talks about Draco as a, quote, athletic piece of clay that can be moulded. Uh, and uh, Harlan's going to murder Draco next week, basically, Sige. Cool. It's preview stuff, man. I mean, the clay is a lift. It's a word-for-word lift from what Minoru Suzuki called all of the WWE. Yeah, shows. I know. <laughs> uh, time for another Dusty Cup match. It was Ivy Nile and Tatum Paxley, who has uh, just been recruited into Diamond Mine, I believe, uh, much to Ivy Nile's chagrin. Um, uh, yeah, uh, Bivens has brought her in, and they were facing the team who just said, I can't get this over enough. They just love to party. They've now got a weird entrance where they shoot sort of blasters into the air, new gear and all that. Um, Sorry, so, well, I've never been to uh, any pub, uh, bar or nightclub because that's all people do is sh- like shoot fireworks cannons into the air if they're wanting, a, you know, wanting a good drink, wanting a party. That's the first thing people do. I mean, to be fair, I am going to bring one of those in into work when I'm allowed that. <laughs> well, hey! In the sleeve T- of the jacket. T-shirt cannon straight at Andy Murray. Hey! Knocking a cup of tea out of someone's hand. Um, I did like the bit where Catanzaro uh, sort of takes control of uh, Paxley early on tries to go for a head scissors and Ivy Nile just punches her in the face that tickled me Um, Ivy Nile dominates uh, Catanzaro um, but then she managed to bring in uh, Caden Carter who runs wild she she gets uh, hit with a spinning side slam, though. Paxley hits a standing, twisting moonsault. Catanzaro, though, just makes the save. She sends Ivy Nile to the outside, uh, and they hit Paxley with that neck breaker 450 combo for the one, two, three. Post match, Ivy Nile attacks Paxley until Roderick Strong basically calls her off, Amphlet. Well, Bon, your um, recap, your match recaps are often so thrilling that me and Sidric have to question if we watch the same match. When and, uh, they're so thrilling, right? You do such an amazing job with it. That was one of the first times I heard you turn into Tim or Jim from the office in their very <laughs> first I, uh, I sell paper and I speak to people about the price of paper and I'm boring myself talking about it. <laughs> um, because that's what this match was, ultimately. Um, you knew exactly what you were going to get, other than the fact that because obviously Tatum Paxley was an unknown quantity. Thank you to the, the creative force behind NXT 2.0 for reminding me that all women despise each other. Because God forbid they'd be able to coexist for more than one segment. Ivy Nile raging when the chokes throughout the end. In the diamond mine, out the diamond mine. <laughs> uh, nothing else to add. Poor. Yet again, poor. There's people I saw I saw people earnestly praising NXT 2.0 online. It's, it's, it's rubbish. It's catastrophic. You can get three and a half star wrestling anywhere. What difference does a decent champ of Ziggler match make to anything? What the, the actual what it's actually about not the last fumes of what it used to be about, is dreadful. This was dreadful. The 
strange bedfellows team try and do the butcher and the blades finish, and one of them just falls over. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. Caden Carter takes a bump here. Or it's like it cannot look indistinguishable to the first bump someone takes on the first day of wrestling school. Like standing up, then jumping and going on the back. Not like the light switch. Like, oh, I'm going to jump up and then I'm going to go over. Oh, you look ridiculous. This is terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Katie, Case, Case, Gantara, and Caden Cartner are absolutely, I'm sorry, they're stealing a living. They're absolutely stealing one. They, in prime peak NXT, or the last days of it anyway, they did a four minute TV manage, match every four weeks. They couldn't possibly have a storyline direction because there were no women's tag team titles. The second that a set of women's NXT tag team titles get introduced, they just go clubbing. <laughs> <laughs> Then they work like, then they just go, you know, shagging about, or theoretically shagging about, dancing around, and then they just like have four minute matches again. I almost, what a life! What a life! What's the big bad faith lie currently? The uh, NXT 2.0 matches are good, or the NXT UK exists. Oh, God, <laughs> they're both in the same ballpark. Uh, right, just before the main event, LA Knight yeah. got a promo. Uh, moaning about Grayson Waller cheating, basically. Uh, but he still took them both down, and oh, that's all. Who uh, was the crowd chanting for at the end? Yeah, basically. Uh, and then we got the main event. It was uh, Tommaso Ciampa versus Dolph Ziggler. I've got to say, Sige, I think this is probably the best TV match I've seen this year. Um, so I can say this again now, Humphrey, because I'm behind a computer screen. I'm basically. And basically, the, the people in his replies on Twitter. So I've just got to say rent free, and then I'm just <laughs> I completed the like the, all the all the, the the bullet points that they often try and drop on Sige. Uh, look, they start out grappling. Uh, it sort of goes to a stalemate between the two of them. So Ziggler puts a, puts his thumb in the eye to uh, take control. Uh, fight, Chamba fights back though, uh, blocks the zigzag, and uh, knocks uh, Dolph Ziggler up the off the apron with that running knee. Uh, and applauds himself as we go to break. When we come back, um, they're trading strikes. Ziggler gets catapulted into the corner. Um, Champa follows up. Lariat, Ziggler kicks out. Ziggler fights back. Drop kick out of nowhere. Uh, he hits the famous. Uh, that gets uh, Ziggler a near fall. They're both down at this point. Ziggler goes, sets up for sweet chin music, stomping his foot on the mat. Um, but then uh, Champa hits him with a super kick of his own and hits him with Project Champa for a nice near fall two and point nine basically uh champa goes uh hits the running knee strike again goes for another cover but uh, this time ziggler's too close to the ropes he puts his foot on it to break the count they spill to the outside champa gets sent into the ring, ring post and uh, ziggler hits champa with a zigzag on the outside and they tease a double count out but just both just make it back in uh, Champa is then selling that his left arm's gone numb off the back of that zigzag. So he can't get Ziggler up for the fairy tale ending. Ziggler manages to counter instead and puts him in a sleeper. Champa fights out of it, though, by jumping backwards in the ring. Uh, and he gets a near fall on Ziggler off the back of that. They have a uh, sort of back and forth slug fest on the apron. And Champa hits uh, Ziggler with an air raid crash on the apron, rolls him back into the ring. But as uh, Champa is uh, rolling back in himself and the referee's checking on Ziggler, a cameraman out of nowhere hits Champa in the back with his camera. Um, Champa gets back in, dazed and confused, and walks straight into a super kick. And Ziggler gets the one, two, three off the back of it. Who could it possibly be? As the cameraman, it is revealed to be the other half of the Dirty Dogs. Robert Roode reveals himself. 
Brom Breaker runs down to make the save as they try and kick the crap out of Champers some more. Uh, and Breaker challenges Rude and Ziggler to a tag team match next week. Uh, and the heels rush the ring and a big brawl basically ends the show as, uh, well, as Dolph Ziggler is confirmed effectively, Hamlet as the new number one contender for the world title. Yeah. Um, okay. Like, the match was absolutely fine. But, I like, I'm loath to give it a load of praise because... Partly because I'm spoiled and wrestling. Often we say when a very good match has happened, that oh, very good isn't enough now because there's great every week. Like, this wasn't really even very good. It was fine. It was very fine. That's probably the kindest that can be. Like they're a super experienced, both guys. They know exactly how to work a WWE style and inject a little bit of personality to it when they're permitted. And that's exactly what it feels like when Dolph Ziggler does it. It's like he's asked for a permission slip to do something cool and he's permitted to do slightly more than just flick his hair off an impact spot. And this had a little bit of that, but not that much. And that isn't ideal when they're trying to give you, if it's got a serve as a sale pitch for Dolph Ziggler versus... Um, Brom Breaker for the title in what in a match that is where it's going to be tested as a ticket seller, which I like. I like that matches get to be metrics again in this broken organization. So like this will be, I mean, but it'll potentially doom Brom Breaker if it doesn't sell tickets. So um, I don't know, a multifarious failure, but not a hideous wrestling match. Sige, we often talk, this is more on Monday Night Raw, I suppose, on, on grading on a curve. I feel like people are like, hey, NXT, did your wrestling get less crap? Because like this, compared to some of the matches we've seen before, made you think, wow, what a what a great main event. And I think Hamlet sort of hit the nail on the head in terms of how good it actually was. Is that fair? Yeah, of course it is. It's just two pros doing a, the beats of a very good match when I don't think it's possible in this context to do a very good match, realistically. You, I've seen very good action. I've seen matches that over-deliver. Just, I'm sick of this brand taking the piss out of us and refusing, selectively refusing to admit what it is half the time. Just pisses me off. Like, look at the context here. The idea that Tommaso Ciampa is like the old heart and soul of the old NXT and he still wants to just keep that flame alive. Oh, a lot of complete and utter bollocks. I don't mix of metaphors here, but it kind of makes me do that. He's the guy who is the the guy who wears the high school jacket long after graduation. <laughs> he's in a, he's in a context that he finds strange and uncomfortable to him, but he's in it and he refuses to sell it. Tommaso Ciampa is wearing the high school jacket in a high school. <laughs> like what is like, what is this? It just, the idea that there's anything left of the old NXT enough to, you know, like sex. Now that we have your attention, Bron Break is a star. That's the whole selling point of NXT 2.0. But it's just ridiculous. It's so flimsy. So watching Tommaso Ciampa in the funhouse trying to work a takeover arena match with Dolph Ziggler, who, again, it's also selective. It's also insulting. I'm meant to take seriously as this great worker again on Tuesday nights when he's just there on Monday and he's been just there on Monday for the past however many years when like generations at this point, if you look at the killers, the pillars, the people who are putting over the pillars, like generations of talent have raced, lapped Ziggler as this sort of state of the art work rate guy. Everyone thinks is really cool in the ring. Like this is a decade ago stuff at this point. I just find the whole thing desperate, I find the whole thing like it's reaching for a level of acclaim 
this structurally was every quote-unquote capital G great match you've seen. Did absolutely nothing for me whatsoever other than it just feels very, very grabby and fake. Champa keeps getting older, but NXT matches stay the same. Yes, they yes, do. They do. Yes, they do. That reminded me, do you ever have people who did that? Like people who'd come back to your school after you, like when you were in sixth form or whatever, and they'd walk around and be like, I remember when I was in sixth form. And you're like, what are you doing here, you weird bastard? Odd. Like, yeah, we had that. There was a couple of lads who'd left who'd started going out with like people in year 12, them in the common room. <laughs> Let that one go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get reminds out me, here. Go. Reminds me of uh, when I was in in halls at university in my first year, and some lads were walking around the halls. So they were either second or third year or whatever, and they were like, oh, "I remember being back here." And I was like, "A year ago, mate. It's not." And they're halls. <laughs> Everyone stays in them. My favourite was uh, he went into my mate's room. I think we were in there playing PlayStation or and he was like. Ah, oh, these walls could talk. I remember being in this room, right? We were like, all right, mate, do you want to just piss off sort of thing? Right? He, <laughs> went, he went, yeah, this room, this was uh, it's my room. Uh, he went, you pissed in the sink yet? Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, I'm mad, me. <laughs> it's a sink you don't piss in that except you're this legend <laughs> can't be asked to go to the toilet that's two yards down the hallway uh, not me mate piss in the sink so and on that note <laughs> we'll wrap up XT 2.0 is swirling piss in a <laughs> university hall sink plug hole <laughs> Oh dear, let us know your thoughts on the show on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Why say you can follow all three of us? You can follow Michael Hamflit at Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE and make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We'll be back later on today with the AEW Dynamite preview. But for now, this has been the NXT Super L review. I thanks for the <laughs> boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.